welcome back to the Talk to Fame podcast. We're your hosts, Kaimon Tuni. And on today's episode, we're joined by the founder of a student-led organization that is about environmental impacts called A Sustainable Future, Carolyn He. Thanks so much for coming on. Come on. I had to resign. I don't know why I'm messing up. It's like really weird. I'm so sorry about that. But I'll... You're all good. Hello, and welcome back to Talk of Fame podcast with your host, Kaiman Tini. And on today's episode, we are joined by the founder of a student-like organization that is about environmental, in which it is a nonprofit organization called a Sustainable Future, Carolyn He. Thanks so much for joining. I'm super excited to talk with you today. Me as well. Thanks so much. So you have founded a student-led organization that is called a sustainable future. Like, why did you start this organization? So, a sustainable future was initially founded as an advocacy project for SDG 12, or the Sustainable Development Goal Number 12, which is responsible consumption and production. And so, what essentially happened was we were doing this project for school, but from there it blossomed into something that I was genuinely passionate about because. This is um, just for reference, this was at the height of COVID-19. So at this point, we were all learning virtually. We were all remote. And one thing I noticed was that we were using way too much paper. Like previously, when we had been in person at school, we were using so much paper. And this was really extraneous paper usage that we really didn't need to be using. And so from there, I kind of was just brainstorming and I was thinking of ways that I could A, raise awareness about this issue because I feel like no one really thinks about, you know, how much paper you're using and B, also finding ways to combine my own passions into this project. And so that's kind of where my passion for statistics came in when developing the ASF consumption model and so on. That's amazing. Like when, did you found this in 2020 or did you found this in like 2019? Okay, so I like to say that ASF was officially founded 2021, but the idea had kind of been circulating in my head since around 2020. That's amazing. Like, do you think, like, the pandemic, like, without the pandemic, you wouldn't have done this? Or do you think, like, with the pandemic, like, or even before the pandemic, it really kind of helped you, like, kind of get ideas flowing or even make an impact in your community all around the world? Yeah, I feel like as, you know, unfortunate as the pandemic has been, one of the upsides is that I've been able to a recognize areas where we could cut back on our resource usage, such as paper, because without the pandemic, I wouldn't really have looked into how much paper we were using. And again, I don't think anyone was really aware about this issue earlier. So I think the pandemic really brought to light a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. If it wasn't like for the pandemic, I would I um would be doing this podcast. Like it just like even yeah. though uh, many things happened during the pandemic, it was like a hard time. And we're still kind of going through this kind of today. But like, if it really really wasn't for the pandemic, we wouldn't kind of kind of get gain more time to really kind of process about what we're passionate about or ideas and advocacy and all of these things. Yeah, 100%. And I really love your podcast because it's such a great way to connect people from, you know, Girl Up Summit meetings mm-hmm. or various other places, which is For pretty sure. Cool. Like, I just like, like, that's how like, me and you connected with Girl But I think it was like a couple of months ago. I think like water events or something, I think it was. Yeah. And another great thing about COVID was the fact that we started using technology so much more. Mm-hmm. I used to be so bad at navigating the computer like Zoom never heard of her literally 
but afterwards you know we're meeting on zoom right now so it's pretty cool Mm, like it's just like no one knew really what technology was until like the pandemic like that's when everyone kind of started navigating it I feel yeah 100 percent and like how does it kind of like your organization kind of tackle the environment like I know you said like that's when you realize you like people use a lot of paper but like how did like your organization kind of tackle the problem not just like with paper but the environmental power itself yeah, so what ASF does is we actually use the power of technology to kind of guide both schools and students to advocate for responsible paper consumption. And so what we do is we kind of use a two-pronged, I guess, method of raising awareness. So first, we have resources available on the Sustainable Future website for students. And these are like presentations on sustainability or research guidelines so that they can conduct research on paper usage at their own schools. And then what we do from that from like the numbers and data that those students have collected is we use that data, we turn it into a paper consumption model, which is like phase two of our plan. So what our paper consumption model does is you can essentially input various factors in, like for example, the time of year, how many department members you have per department, different departments that you have at your school. And then what the paper consumption model does is that it calculates how much paper you would be using based on those factors. And it gives you an estimate for how much paper you maybe should be using. So you can make more educated guesses or I guess purchases when you know, you're know you budgeting for paper and other resources. That's actually so cool. Like, I have to ask you like, how many papers should you use each day? Like how many, is, is there like an estimate or is it like, which one is too much or which one is too less I have to ask? So this does depend on, again, what size you're talking about, because one of the factors that we have is how many teachers teach at the school. And this is more useful for like, I should have specified larger organizations, but mostly schools. And so, of course, if you have a larger school, you can expect to use more. If you come from a school where there are more math teachers, per se, you can expect to use more paper. So what the paper consumption model does, it takes into account all of those various factors. And it's essentially trained on those factors to recognize the significance in each of those factors. And what it does, it just produces an estimate or a ballpark estimate for how much paper you should be using. That's actually amazing. Like, like, was that like, like, did you like kind of calculate all these things right when you started this organization, or like, or did you kind of get a group of collaborators from like different organizations or something to kind of make this project? Because like, with that project, like, everyone needs to use it in schools and organizations. Yeah, so I think one of ASF's biggest boons is the community that we have around it. And so we might be small, but we're definitely mighty. Um, our technology development team is working like 24-7, trying to get um, HTML interfaces and app development on board. And originally, though, this was mainly an independent project because, as I said earlier, this was during COVID-19. I wasn't really receiving much guidance. I was more just freewheeling it. And so the first step was reaching out to schools and asking for their paper, because at this point, like the ASF kind of network hadn't been established yet. So I wasn't able to ask students to give me the paper data that they collected. And so, yeah, at first it was just a lot of trial and error. And I taught myself a lot of code. I analyzed a lot of code on Stack Overflow in the meantime. 
But, you know, I'm satisfied with where the model is right now. And of course, we're always improving. Mm-hmm. Like, how old were you, like, when you started this? Like, I know, like, you started really young, right? I was maybe, like, 15. I was 15. Ooh, you started before me. I was, like, 14, almost turning 15. Wow, you're ahead of the game right now, girl. Like, that's <laughs> crazy. But, like, how does, like, your organization like, approach schools and organizations about kind of protecting our environment? Like, how does your organization kind of approach that? And so, as I mentioned earlier, we kind of have resources for both students and schools. And so for students, what's really beneficial to them is we have various like challenges listed on our website that encourage students to engage in like different environmental activities, like introducing composting to schools, as I said before, conducting their own research, giving presentations, you know, everything regarding that. And then for schools, what we do is we approach them and we basically ask them to A, give us their paper consumption data and B, trial our model. And so what the model does at the very end is it gives the schools paper consumption recommendations based on their usage relative, you know, to their size and the departments and all those factors. So, yeah. You know, like, like, do you just do schools in your community or do you do like, schools all across the country? So currently we are pretty local. So I live in New Jersey, which means that I'm reaching out to schools mostly in the New Jersey area, especially in my county, which is Morris County. But I mean, one of our biggest goals right now is just really networking and expanding our outreach to various different states and counties and all types of schools with different demographics, you know, different student bodies, everything. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing. Like, wait, like you're not too far from me. I'm in the Pennsylvania area. Like, I'm like two hours east from Philadelphia. Actually, I'm. So, I never knew you were from New Jersey. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, no, like, um, you also used Eastern Daylight Savings Time, so I was like, she's an East Coast girl. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big East Coast girl. Like, it's just like with the Daylight Savings Time this year, it impacted me so bad with my sleep schedule. It was honestly so bad. <laughs> Really, I've really been enjoying the sunshine. I have seasonal depression, but the thing is, I don't notice I have it until the sun is shining and the birds are chirping and I can go outside again. Yeah, I I love when it like sunrises early and like goes to sunrise down late. I love that, but it's just like time you go to bed and time you wake up is a big big difference. Not great for my sleep schedule, but I'm yeah, happy. not great. It's not good at all. Even though <laughs> I love the sunshine, I love it so much. I was literally outside before I joined this interview with my dogs, and like I was just enjoying it so bad. I was like, I have to go inside now. Like it's like 70 degrees where I am. So I was like, thank you, Lord, for the sunshine. <laughs> like, like whenever it's a nice day, like nice day in here in Pennsylvania, I always had to take advantage of it. Me too. Me too. And, like, how do you and other organizations, like, not organizations, why am I talking about, but students come up with ideas on how to make our environment better, not just in your community? Mm-hmm. And so I'm really glad that ASF is built of so many, like, amazing minds and creative individuals because we're able to kind of draw inspiration from each and every one of them, whether they're creating things like sustainable recipes or making posts for our Instagram page or making blog posts. I feel like everyone is able to kind of contribute in their own way, even if it's just like writing a killer email or being able to reach out to schools effectively. As long as everyone is able to contribute, I feel like ASF is for the better for it. 
like, like, is there any specific age you need to be to kind of contribute, or is there like, oh, anyone can join to like whatever how old they are? Because I know, like, with many organizations, they always have so, like they always have to have a specific age to contribute. So coincidentally, ASF is mostly high school and college students for the time being. But yeah, anyone is able to join. I mean, I feel like we have a very timely mission. Everyone is going to know someone who's either in high school or college, no matter how old you are. And so I feel like, you know, really participating in this movement will help everyone both A, recognize their power as an environmental advocate, and B, also just have fun. Because as I mentioned earlier, we have a role for everyone. So everyone is able to join in. Mm, there's always ways to contribute to everything, right? Exactly. And like, as it kind of like we talked about a second ago, but it's like, is your organization looking for more people to kind of help out? If so, like, how can they get involved like, with your organization? Is there any specific way they can get involved? Yes, always. Absolutely. We're always looking for more environmental enthusiasts and talented young activists. And we actually have um, a Google form that's currently accepting responses to join ASF and have a role on our team. I don't know if you're interested or in me pulling it up, but I can go through the rules very quickly. If that's yeah, of helpful. course. Okay, so let me actually pull up the document. Okay, so we have four main roles right now. And so one is the technology developer. And so these are these people are mainly responsible for maintaining our paper consumption model, advising it for scalability, coding the API and the HTML, and helping maintain the ASF website, but also analyzing the results of the paper consumption data that we're given and further developing the paper consumption model. So right now we're actually learning how to incorporate more factors into the model, such as student demographics, um, voter history of the school or like of the area, et cetera. So it's just, it's a lot of fun and they get to get their hands wet with a bunch of cool tech stuff, like model training, AS, you know? So it's like the whole nine yards. And then, oh, I don't know why I'm holding up a two right now, but our second role is the research director. And so what they're responsible for is, I should specify first that this is the role that we kind of source the most help from. And so these are the individuals who will conduct research on potential market alternatives to paper, while also writing blogs and different features on sustainability. And so, um, yeah, again, they're in charge of creating sustainable recipes, writing blog posts, and just generally producing sustainability and environmental content to feature on our website. And then third, we have the outreach coordinator. And so what they're tasked with is representing our interests in brand image to prospective partner organizations. So when we're trying to reach out to more schools, most likely it will be an outreach coordinator contacting them. And so, again, they're mainly charged with encouraging more people to join our team and also to register their school as an ASF member school. And this is kind of, I'm getting them to do my dirty work for me, but we also have them scout for funding and grant opportunities because as much as I love the fact that all of our volunteers are so dedicated, they are also volunteers and I feel like in order to support our growth, we do need further avenues for, I guess, funding and that sort of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Funding is that's like a big part of an organization and what they do. It's because like even if it's like a nonprofit or not nonprofit, like with donations, like donations is such a big part, especially my organization. I know with my organization, donations are greatly appreciated. No matter if you donate one dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, no matter how much you donate, it's such a big part of like what we do for a living and that's what our organization does each day. Exactly. A little goes a long way. Mm-hmm, for sure. And like, how can people make our um planet or environment healthy and nice? Like, how can it make you like safe for everyone in our community? So I think the first component of this is actively addressing or at least realizing how we contribute to the environment. And so I would say our largest impact as individuals mainly relies or involves our consumption of resources. So, you know, whether this is buying clothing from the mall, for example, or choosing to use reusable products instead of one-time use products, really the little gestures, again, go a long way. And I think just developing a more sustainable mindset when it comes to consuming these goods, for example, paper, it really will make a difference, especially because we can all do this, which means that we can all implement long-lasting change. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how big or little like change you do, whether it's like picking up paper off the ground or like calculating how much paper you use each day in school or work or whatever it is, like whether it's like small or like a big project, it will help make our environment better. Because like I know with climate change, that is like the environment is basically controlled off of climate change, I believe. Like it's just like the better we do, like in our environment, the better things we kind of do to make our community safe and environment safe, the better like we drastically go to climate change and stuff like that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Our collective efforts definitely make a difference. Mm-hmm. And like, why is advocacy important, especially like for the environment? Like, why is it important, especially in our generation? So for the climate movement, I think the most important component about it is awareness. And that goes hand in hand with advocacy, because when you actively advocate for something, you're not only educating yourself about it, but you're also making sure that other individuals in your community and in your life also know about that issue. And that's the best way that awareness can spread because awareness is what actually incites change. It tells people that there is an issue here and it encourages them to take action on it. Again, even if it's just as small of an action as choosing to use reusable utensils or as large of an action as attending protests and organizing climate summits, et cetera. Mm, advocacy is so important especially like today's world over the last couple of years obviously protests and all these things have become kind of a big thing in the U.S. I'm not sure how protests and stuff are in other countries I know there's some things going on TV and stuff about protests but like with advocacy everyone has something they're passionate about and how like they want to take control of what they like which for me it's about women empowerment I know for you as well like it's about women empowerment and making our environmental safe and making a change in our world and make our community safe I know for everyone um everyone wants to live in a safe and healthy environment and that like when they don't have a safe 
in a healthy environment, they don't want to live in it. Because if they don't want to live in it, they're um they get sick, um um they get diseases, they can get all these things, and that's not like healthy for them to live each day in their community. Yeah, exactly. Kind of recognizing how we contribute to the environment and how the environment affects us. That's really important, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's especially important. And like, where do you see yourself in your organization in the next couple of years? Like, where do you kind of see it? Like, what's like your vision for it? Yeah, so we may have, again, started pretty small, but we do have ambitious plans for the upcoming three years. And this is mostly, I guess, divided into three different parts. So one is to improve the accuracy of our paper consumption model for all schools in the U.S. to hopefully one day use. Next is to increase user traffic on our website while also improving the content and resources available for students. And finally, strengthening our network by partnering with, I guess, more environmental organizations, growing our staff of dedicated volunteers, and expanding our network countrywide. So again, we're hoping that we can reach out to schools really all across the country. And, you know, even as one organization, we know we might not be able to do all that much, but the fact that we're actively reaching out to other people and we're reaching out to students in schools, I think that, again, our collective action will make a difference. For sure. Like any like thing you do to make a difference in a community or around the world, whether it's environment or women's health or whatever it is, it's, it will make a difference in someone's life. Even though it might not like reach that many people as some organizations do, it will impact some people. Yeah, 100%. And by the way, like, with your volunteers and like your staff and everything, is it like a paid opportunity or is it kind of like a like dedicate your time type of thing? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, funding is a bit of an issue for any organization, but ASF is really lucky in that our volunteers are just so passionate about what they do that they don't really need that kind of monetary validation for their work. And I think the work itself is fulfilling enough, you know, being part Mm -hmm. of a community that also cares about the environment and cares about their work, I think is the most valuable thing. Mm-hmm, you're exactly right. And like as like a young CEO of, of an organization, like are you glad you started an organization so young or do you feel like you should have waited a couple of years after you got like older? Because like, I know that some people are like, oh, like why did I start that so young? Like like those type of things. Like are you one of those people or are, are you kind of like happy that you started years early? You know what, your question reminds me that it's really weird hearing that word aloud because I tend to use that word very, very loosely, like CEO. I mean, I guess to me, it really just means more about being in a position where I'm able to share what I'm passionate about with other people. And the thing is, I don't really think I needed to become a quote unquote, you know, CEO in order to do that because Again, as long as you're passionate about something, you can you will find ways to share that passion with others, whether it's like what you do, creating a podcast or creating a website or starting a club or joining a club. You don't necessarily need to be a CEO in order to learn the important interpersonal skills associated with the position. And again, I do want to touch briefly upon the pressures associated with this title, just because I feel like there's such 
not a stigma, but a pressure to just go, 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 do as much as you can, as early as you can. I don't think that's necessarily needed, especially not for everyone, because not everyone will feel comfortable in this role. Um, I know that myself, I used to favor what I called quiet leadership and that I wouldn't necessarily be the person at the head of the room speaking. And I actually really hated talking or going out of my way to talk to other people. It would really scare me. Me too. Yeah. You used to scare me so bad. I used to be the shyest little kid, honestly. I used to be so shy. Now you're hosting a podcast. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy to kind of see how much years have passed and how much we change as individuals. It's like crazy to think, see how much progress we made over the years and like how we are as a young adult like it's like kind of insane to me you know like you see like so many people kind of grow up being so shy or kind of having self-doubt about things to see them like do amazing things years later is actually incredible yeah and it's really fun connecting with other people who are like that as well because, of course, everyone is able to inspire change in their own ways, even if it's sometimes just stepping into the shadows and letting other people, I guess, take credit for the work. Yeah, like I know like a lot of people like to take credit for the work, like other people's work. It's actually like, not weird, but it's like, it's their own project. Yeah, I guess some people are just more comfortable with being out of the spotlight, but you know, as long as they're doing what they're doing, I think everyone is able to contribute in their own way. You're exactly right. And like, do you think people kind of don't take you seriously as a kind of like a young founder or CEO? Like, do people sometimes not take you seriously or is it kind of they've been an amazing journey for the last couple of years? So I will say that all the environmental organizations that I've reached out to so far and all the schools, they've been very supportive and encouraging of what I'm doing. But I do recognize that, you know, ageism is often a barrier for people or young people looking to make change. And so to that, I kind of say, as cliche as it is, if you're really passionate about starting something or becoming a founder of an organization, just do it, right? Mm-hmm you know, life is too short. As young as you are, life is too short to just let those opportunities go away. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. So like, no matter how old you are, or how young you are, there's always time to make something, like make an organization or join a sport, or join a club. You're never too old to join something. Even though like, Sometimes, like, when you're, like, very young in your teenage years, like, when you start a podcast organization or whatever it is, like, some people think, like, oh, she's 14 years old, like, why should I do that? But then, like, yeah, as long as you're reaching out and at least trying to get that um progress made, then that's all that matters, though, is that, like, you're trying. If they say yes or no, at least they're trying. The worst thing you can get is a no, you know? Exactly. And it reminds me of that really cliche quote, um, but it's like, if you don't take a shot, you always fail if you don't take the shot, right? Oh, You'll yeah. If you don't take the shot. I don't know. It's a poster hanging somewhere on my French teacher's wall. You take French? Yeah, I do take French. So do I. Like, a lot of people ask, like, say, like, why do you take French? Our countries mostly kind of like Spanish talking. I'm like, I don't know, like, I really pick something different, like, than, like, what people usually do, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think French is just really romantic. 
Oh yeah, you're exactly right. Like especially like French, French people. Like French people are so romantic. I to, like from like my experience, like television and stuff. It's like so romantic, right? Like English people. Like if they're English from like England or something, mom. Yeah. Like I don't know. I've really been romanticizing just going to Europe for a summer and touring all the major cities and areas. But again, high school. So maybe not yet, but hopefully sometime soon. Maybe in college. Yeah, I'm exactly way. Like I have a lot of European in me. So I'm like, I'm dying to go to Europe for summer, whether it's like a gap year or traveling or whatever it is. I just want to go for like a summer or something and just try to find someone or whatever it is like traveling. <laughs> But like, what is some advice or founders or people that want to make an impact on the, on the environment or just kind of want to make a difference? So I'm going to focus specifically on the environment, just because I feel like, you know, there's so much about making change that you can probably search up on YouTube, just find a TED-Ed, watch it. Yeah. But for me, what I noticed was that, of course, disclaimer, you don't necessarily need to start something ground up if you really yeah. want to because I myself I wasn't really expecting anything to come out of the little website that I designed on Wix but here we are on I guess a more realistic level if you see something that you think is an issue and you're genuinely passionate about rectifying that issue just go for it and they can be small gestures as well like joining the environmental action club at your school or joining a trash cleanup community at your town or going to the park every once in a while to teach other people how to clean up trash and stuff like that. Again, the most important part about being an advocate for the climate is raising awareness. That's the most important thing you can do. Yeah, that is like the most important thing you can do because like even if it's like a slight change over, it's like telling people that this is a problem, like, hey, like, can I tell you, mention this to you? Like, I think you might find it interesting. Like, no matter if it's like talking to people in your community when you're out at a park or event, or it's like your family or friends, like, no matter how big of a gesture it is, it will make a difference. At least, like, at least you're talking about it. That's the most important thing. Because as long as you're using your voice in a subject that means a lot to you, then you're doing the right thing. Like, you're doing the right thing. As long as you're using your voice and making a difference and telling others about it to make them aware of this problem, then you're one step further than you were two days ago. Like, it's yeah. just, like, it makes, like, how far you go in a matter of days. I think, if anything, raising your voice on the subjects that you care about will make your voice sound the loudest. Just because... Mm -hmm. You know, you can hear the passion in other people's voices when they talk about something that they genuinely care about. And it makes you want to listen. It makes you want to do something about it, too. Oh, yeah, it's so true. Because, like, if people mention to you about these problems, it makes you want to make more change even more. Yeah. I mean, even just, I have a friend who just loves math. And I'm not a math person, but when I hear him talk about math, I'm like... Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. And, you know, I never thought that I'd be talking about numbers like that. Okay. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Like, I'm not that type of girl, but just hearing the passion in other people's voices can convince you otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not like a math person either. I'm horrible at math. Math is like, 
not my strong suit, but like when I when I hear, I don't know if it's like, like that for other people, but it's like when you hear people talking about their passions and like what they love, it makes you kind of see things through what they see, what they hear from other people and like how like how passionate they are about different things in life that we go through. Yeah, and I guess what you bring up is another piece of advice maybe for people looking to make change. Find something that you really like. And, you know, I know like one of the major college buzzwords is like, do something that you're passionate about. But even if it's just something that you like, like maybe you really love to read and you like to write a little bit of original work in the meantime, you can start a workshop for other people. You can reach out to other people in the writing community like it doesn't have to be too big as long as you're doing something that you care about Mm -hmm. you're exactly right and I want to thank you so much for um coming on the podcast I really appreciate it like you're amazing so inspiring and I wish you all the best of luck with everything and you're doing such amazing things at such a young age and I if someone needs a role model that's definitely you you're doing amazing things and I really wish you the best in everything you do and if you ever need help on anything feel free to reach out we have to help in any way I can um let's definitely stay in touch and I can't wait to connect with you soon well thank you for having me and if you need any of the resources that I mentioned earlier today feel free to just shoot me a quick email I love to provide them again thanks for having me on your podcast of course. I hope everyone's having a great rest of your day. And thank you for listening. And thank you, Carolyn, for coming on. And um, thank you for listening to today's episode. And make sure to catch us on the next episode of Talk to Podcast Scene. Thanks so much. Have a good rest of your day, guys. Bye. Bye.